people think that construction industry is a very conservative and stubborn and like very slow adoption. But actually, I don't think so. I think it's about complexity. We can argue a lot. I mean, we should agree that actually it's a very complex industry. You can imagine, it's like, you need to deliver the building somewhere in London or Manchester or whatever. It has so many considerations, like different contexts, logistics, construction, site planning, permissions, other things, architecture. It's really difficult as hell. And you know, people in the past years, people compare building to the car. It's completely wrong to compare building to the car. Welcome to the Bricks and Bytes podcast. I'm Owen Drury, and together with my co-host Martin Pikash, we'll be interviewing the people involved with transforming the construction and property industries through the latest and most innovative technologies. Today's guest is Maxim Markovic, Chief Technological Officer at Creo. Creo is changing the way projects are quantified through their 2D takeoff software. At the same time, they generate modular building designs to help implement modern methods of construction in the early stages of a project. If you'd like to keep up to date with all of the latest Bricks and Bytes episodes, please subscribe to us on anchor.fm forward slash Bricks and Bytes. For now, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Maxim. You are listening to Bricks and Bytes podcast, where we take you on a journey in construction, technology, and business. All right, let's get this episode started. So you're a uh, your past. You was, you started as a structural engineer like Martin, and you're now CTO of Creo. So that journey sounds pretty crazy. How did it go? It is pretty crazy. <laughs> and actually, I wouldn't. I mean, I wear right now. I wear too many hats. I mean, I wouldn't call myself a CTO, right? Because actually. The one day I do business development, marketing and sales. Another day I do, I work on grand product vision. The third day I hire people. The first day I, I work on advertising, on work with clients. Even sometimes I do kind of uh, customer support and other things. So it's quite, <laughs> it's quite hard to call it a uh, city war, you know, but, <laughs> but it is what it is. It was quite a fun way from my standpoint of view. And also it was quite easy way because it, it was driven by the purpose. So when I was a structural engineer and I was, you know, designing these different uh, water pump stations or power stations. So I was working as a, a mostly on industrial objects and uh, I put this reinforcement rebars in a, in a concrete like for weeks. And at some point I started to think, okay, why don't we automate this process? It's For me, it looks like very, you know, like repetitive and the same process again and again. And that's where I started to learn C-sharp programming language. And I started to, to do some plugins for AutoCAD and then Revit. And so then these plugins, like the company around me, the guys and other structural engineers around me, they started to use my plugins. So, and I, at some point I realized that I love to code these plugins more than actual job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you already become a software developer at that time, at that stage. Yeah. yeah it's like, I, I was a very shitty software developer, you know, I'm, I'm kind of unschooler guy. So I, I usually, I cannot, I, I didn't read any book about programming language because there always was a problem. You're just smart, smart naturally as a born. No, 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 no. I think it's, I'm a problem focused. Like you have a problem. Okay. You need to do this faster and you do everything. I mean, 
well, you know, I don't care. I wasn't care about like how efficiently the memory of my PC is being used. You know, I was care. I actually need to put these rebars in this concrete, and I do, I didn't care about anything else. And obviously, it made me do some mistakes from the beginning. And uh, then I actually saw, okay, actually, I need to improve performance. I need to think about memory and other things like. Um, and then uh, this is how I kind of became a CAD manager and then BIM manager. And yeah, so what, what I was doing, I was setting up software for the people like Autodesk, Revit, how architects and structural engineers can work together. I created some plugins, they use these plugins. And so that's, that's what I did. And also I did some consulting. So I kind of, uh, people invited me to taught their teams how to use Revit, how to do automation, how to do this kind of things. And then I met our current investor and CEO, Magomed, and uh, he proposed me, okay, why don't you want to be a kind of a product uh, manager, product developer in our team? And I thought, okay, it's actually a great idea, great opportunity. And I agreed. So that's that's how it was. I mean, yeah. Did you sell it? Were you selling these plugins to people or were you just making them and giving them away? I mean, the, there are some companies uh, and they use it. Obviously, I created them inside companies, mm. so I cannot sell them. Basically, I created them for other people and inside companies, so they paid me money for creating those plugins, so I cannot sell them. <laughs> uh, but uh, they they still being used. It's uh, it's kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> I will have a question, like because I can relate to your background and like when you were at uni or like doing all of these projects at the beginning of your career. Were you thinking that your life will end up somewhere else than designing structures? Because now you can say, looking back, oh, this actually makes sense. So you can connect the dots, yeah, that the things happen this way. But what were your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a very good question, and uh, it was quite clear. I don't know why, but I, I remember the situation when I, when I told my, uh, back to the time, my girlfriend, now to my wife that actually I want to, to have people working together on some projects for industry where we will do automation and we will kind of... Uh, so basically, I always wanted to search for these industry insights and uh, to kind of wrap them in a kind of uh, product plugins or some flows, workflows, and to do this. And so I don't know why, but it was quite clear for me. Maybe you're right. And I can see it from that perspective right now because I already have been there, right? You just managed to connect the dots, yeah? Because I saw so many people start from somewhere and they just think that, okay, I finished uni uh, doing this and that's my path of in life. But it's really not, yeah? No, it's not. It's really not. I think it's really not. But, you know, there were a moment, uh, there was a moment when I needed to make a choice because I could, I could go and do consulting, like a BIM consulting. And it was very popular here. And it was very, very attractive, but I still chosen uh, to kind of to, to gather a team and to do a product development and to go further because that's what I wanted to do. So there were some, there, I always uh, have a joke like that. I had the vision. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Did, did that vision come from when you were maybe something you done when you were a lot younger? Did you do a lot of like computer programming at a younger age or is it something just, you just fell upon? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was built uh, when I actually was in university. And uh, the love to automation, it was built actually in there because I, when we did all this uh, laboratory works and other stuff, I always wanted to make it automated. Like 
let's say you have a classmates right and they do the same laboratory works and 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 we kind of we we were sitting together and we were thinking how we can automate it so we can do it faster better for all of our guys so it it was a passion to automation i would say in that way yeah, yeah. not to not to be mistaken for being lazy though right <laughs> <laughs> they always say hire a software engineer because they'll find like the the quickest way to do something and they just basically say software engineers are lazy but yeah i can tell you that I did quite a lot of stuff, like I did automation for some things which I used once. So there, there was no purpose to do any automation, you know, and you just did it because for the sake of love, because you love to do that. And so, and then you never <laughs> use it. <laughs> yeah. Are you usually intelligent people are, are lazy because you kind of searching for the uh, quickest path from A to B? To, to just get things done rather than, you know, working hard through every step, which is boring and doesn't make sense if you think mm-hmm. about it. Agree. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, because you're trying to do the most that you possibly can, right? People like us, which are curious, we just want to do everything we possibly can. So it's like, how can you find the shortest way to do all of those little things so you can do more of them? That's how I see it. Where did you uh, get into AI? Because AI? this is what Creo is about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's partially what's Creo about. Yeah, so tell us about Creo, maybe. Okay, so AI, Creo. Uh, okay, so Creo initially started as a, as a big research and development team. That was actually the best time. We didn't care about market. We didn't care about <laughs> yeah. customers. We, we had money. We had resources. We hired the smartest people in Belarus and we, we did quite funny stuff. It's like, it was like, guys, you can imagine, like we, we just, we were sitting like, together in a team meeting and we're just like, okay, let's solve a problem of formwork problem. Okay. What's the problem about formwork? Then we, we <laughs> then we ended up talking to other companies, which actually produce and deliver formwork. We figured out what problems they, they have what we need to solve, then we kind of put requirements and when, then we solve this problem. As I mean, that's how it was. It was like amazing time. I would say it was a paradise from the very beginning. <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> we were burning money on research and development. And then, you know, at some point we just, okay, we need yeah. to sell something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the moment when I can send the, the life before and after. <laughs> yeah. That's when it gets boring. Now I have to actually sell something. <laughs> Yeah. So, but initially, if you're talking about products, we always, again, we all know that construction is like one of the most important industries in the world, right? And so we we also knew that it's quite important to keep technologies in order to serve the rapidly growing world population in the most sustainable way. But actually, we we always been focused on a on a pre-construction. So the best preparation for construction is doing the best design and planning, as you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Initially, we, we had two kinds of directions. So we had uh, we started a portfolio of different products for quantification and cost estimation and for building configuration and uh, building concepts automation. So that's kind of two, two different flows. And, uh, and this is how, how we created BIM Takeoff and 2D Takeoff, which is quantification and cost estimation. And this is how we have right now Creo Modular and uh, PV Farm Configurator and quite a lot of uh, bespoke customizations we did for our clients. If you were talking to someone who doesn't have a clue about Creo, how would you describe it? What would you say to them? 
I would say that uh, Creo is. Uh, and what do you guys solve as well in Creo? Yeah, it's it's quite. Uh, I would start talking start talking separately for each of our products. So because I mean, if you if you want to talk like about Creo overall, I would say like it's a platform with unique and disruptive solutions for EEC industry for the pre-construction phase, right? That's fine. But obviously, when we when we're talking, let's say about our to D takeoff or beam takeoff software. So this software created for quantity surveyors and cost estimators. And obviously, if you're working with a beam, and uh, again, answering the question why it was created, it was created simply because there is a huge disruption actually between architects and engineers and quantity surveyors and cost estimators. Basically, it doesn't really matter how the first guys produce the model, whether it's beam model or 2D model, when it comes to to guys to quantify and do cost estimation, there is a huge mm-hmm. gap because at that moment they lose a lot of information. And this is why when we build BIM takeoff, we wanted to help these people to actually get a very quick insights from the model, get a very quick quantities. Although we all know, for example, that in Revit, if you're advanced user of Revit, you can actually create all schedules you need and you can get all the data, but actually cost estimators, they are not users of Revit. So we wanted to build a platform where they can get reliable data from the model quite quickly. And the same story with 2D takeoff, like people need to quantify elements. So when you have a drawings, you need to order some stuff. You need to order reinforced concrete, tiling, I don't know, mm-hmm. screening, whatever. You need, to, you need to quantify the volumes of materials. You need to, you need to build this building. And that's where you need to measure things, you need to extract data, you need to do all these things. That's where we help quantity surveyors and cost estimators. That's if we will talk if we are talking about quantification and cost estimation. Obviously, when, when we are talking about crew modular, we build this specifically for architects in order to increase the feasibility study. It's like uh, you need to quickly design some building models on a particular parcel of land taking into account some considerations like planning site context, building context, and other contexts. And uh, yeah, so we help to do it quickly. We help to do it. But again, the point is not to do it quickly. The point is to consider a lot of options. So that's the, the most important thing. On, on the, uh, you know, the uh, you have like BIM takeoff and 2D takeoff. Could you start predominantly with BIM and then went to t- 2D? Is that right? Yeah, and I would say even more. We started with a Creo plan, then we, I call it, then we downgraded to BIM takeoff, and then we downgraded to 2D takeoff. <laughs> yeah, because cause, uh, like something I find personally is, is none of the projects I'm involved with, which are mostly residential, use BIM, and we're using 2D. So you obviously saw the demand there, right? Yeah, that's that's precisely why I told you that initially we we were doing like a, pure really research and development. And obviously we wanted to do something big. We build a crew plan, the product which can swallow a beam model, classify the model, get quantities, apply some activities from the database, produce some gun chart and 4D scheduling and other things. And then when we started to sell it, we just realized no one needs it. <laughs> like no one really needs it. <laughs> I mean, uh, there are plenty of other people uh, project stakeholders like cost estimators, planners, bid managers, they work in a different software, Excel yeah. spreadsheets, they get some data, they don't need this Creo plan. So we we ended up that we sold Creo plan for quite a few general contractors who were ready to change the process, but the rest part of the world, they're not ready and they will be ready probably in the next five, 10 years. And this is why we decided, okay, with Creo plan, 
we can go further with these contractors, but we don't we will not sell it because we already see that it's a big problem to sell it. So we just even we even removed it from our website. So we downgraded Creoplan to beam takeoff. So we we got that small piece of Creoplan and we made it a standalone product. And so we started to sell it. It was better. We had clients and we, we are having clients, but we still see that markets still rely on 2D drawings. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the models. And even when they do have the models, they has a, they have a very poor quality. Mm-hmm. You still need to go and measure somewhere things. I mean, if you have a very conceptual model, you will even struggle to get area schedule from this model. There is no way for you to do so. So you will you will get plan and you will measure on the plan. And we we made the D takeoff software, which is uh, the dummiest software we've we've made in uh, in in this direction. And it actually it was the most popular one, and it is the most popular one. Yeah, so we have we launched it in May, and we have more than uh, I think we have more than two hundred clients already. Like, so. yeah, nice. That's a decent amount. Yeah, we just launched it kind of recently and it's growing very well and also market is competitive mm. but again you still there is still a need in there guys so you mentioned that industry is still doing drawings in 2d uh, mostly how would you see the industry going in the next few years or in the near future based on your experience i think we definitely will end up among the models it's just the the biggest question is when <laughs> So, I've, I mean, we see more and more people use BIM models, more and more people actually use BIM, and more and more people get benefits from BIM. But uh, it's not growing quickly. So I think it will take another 5-10 years, unfortunately. Okay. And where are most of your clients based? Is it like Western Europe or Central Europe, Eastern Europe, America, UK? United Kingdom and United States. Okay. Because what are my experience with... Uh, like, for example, used Eastern European construction and construction in the UK is that UK is much more complex. It doesn't mean that it's much better, but it's just more complex in terms of detailing and so many things to need to consider to just make things right. Do you find it that is uh, this is an obstacle in terms of automation point of view or it is not? It's a good question. So first of all, I think uh, UK approach is quite smart and I like it. Although it's quite conservative and we all agree that it's quite conservative and UK companies, they're quite low, slow adopters. Let's put it in that way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, guys, it's, it's like, you can imagine a chart. Look, it's a very good question. And I really think that the only technology will not change anything. So it's not just enough to have a perfect technology. You need to have also the right intent from the market to go somewhere to improve the process, to improve the pipeline, to improve the pro- procurement road, etc. And these things, they should be done together. Otherwise, you will need a super sophisticated and smart intelligent automation, which you will you will make for, for the next five years, I don't know. And that's why when you simplify process from one side and you use technology from another side, it's kind of trade-off where you can get the most beneficial the mo- most benefits out of that. So I watched something, Maxim, you you done, and you, I think it was to do with your, maybe your 2D takeoff software or, or something like that, specifically with AI. And you said people, your feedback from the market or your discovery from the market was that people don't like out-of-the-box solutions, which was really interesting to me because... They get lost. 
that's the main insight of the past years. I would I would say in that way. Look, if you have A and if you have a base bus stop A and bus stop that, no one really wants to go from A to that. People wants to go from A to M, then cross the road from M to I don't know B, then from B to C, then from C to X. And I mean that's how they work. And actually, if we're talking especially about feasibility studies or about any process in a construction, it's not about in-out. Mm-hmm. We would like it to be in-out, but it's never about this. It's always about tweaking things, about communication. I would even say that, like, again, the, the biggest insight from, from our standpoint is that even if we're talking about feasibility phase, it's 80% about communication and 20% about doing actual job. Yeah, I agree. So when you produce a model, let's say when you have all the data, it's just a matter of hours for you to produce a model even manually in Revit. The problem is that you gather in this data, you're talking to people, you ask questions, you get answers, you write emails, you get response. And then kind of piece by piece, you, you're gathering all the information and then produce your, your model. If you would have all the data from the beginning, you would do it much quicker, right? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Look, I know that uh, there is a approach. People think that construction industry is a very conservative and stubborn and, you know, like very, very slow adoption. But actually, I, I don't think so. I think it's uh, it's about complexity. I mean, we can we can argue a lot, but we cannot... I mean, we should agree that actually it's a very complex industry. You can imagine it's like you need to deliver the building somewhere in London or Manchester or whatever. It's like it has so many considerations, like different contexts, logistics, you know, construction, site planning, permissions, other things, architecture. It's really difficult as hell. And, you know, people in the past, yes, people compare building to the car. Yeah. It's completely <laughs> wrong to compare building to the car. Because you can you can build a car and you can sell this car everywhere. Basically, the difference in between car in Europe and in, I don't know, Korea or China, mm-hmm. it's a minor dif- difference. Like, But you cannot even put the same building even in, in the two similar places in London, which yeah, one, yeah. 100 feet one from each other. <laughs> it's also like I find is the insurance market is very important because obviously if someone wants to build something, they need to get an insurance for this building. If you don't get insurance, there's no point in building it because no one is going to buy it of you because, and these guys in the insurance, they have very stringent requirements and they don't like innovative solutions. So they want to go play it safe. So that's probably one of the reasons why it is slow in adoption to get something like innovative delivered. Exactly. And also, you know, when, let's say when we want, with some, when someone wants to build a building, it's usually a developer or client, right? So first of all, developer goes and calculate residual land value in order to say whether it's efficient or not from a money perspective. And the developer cannot get this RLV calculations properly if architects will not develop some model and cost consultants will not make any assumptions, it's like it's like it's all about collaboration, communication, and doing job together. It's a very complex industry, and this is the biggest issue. And but at the same time, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, guys. It's not very bad industry. It's a cool industry. <laughs> it's cool. It's just uh, it's just different, right? I, I think people will struggle to understand that. 
even people that are involved heavily in the industry, they, they, they struggle to see it. Yeah, this is a problem. I actually recently I wrote this blog about one-sided points of view mm -hmm. in the AAC, AAC and that's, that's about it. Even people who are industry architects, they, they see only their world. And they, they think like, everybody's stupid, I'm smart, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my job, why don't you go and do your job? But actually everybody does their job. And the problem is like, when everybody sees only zest points of view, it's just, this is where we think, okay, it's inefficient, it's bad, it's slow, it's blah, blah, blah. You know? Costs a lot, yeah. <laughs> I've always found this issue with ego in, in construction. You know, people study so many years to become architects, engineers, takes much portion of their lives, and then they're fighting for the ego, basically, that they right to be right. You, you think so? But man, yeah, look, as a structural engineer, you need to sign off a drawing. I mean, you need to sign off a drawing, you are responsible for it. You know, like uh, in a, actually in Russia, you know, how they tested engineers in the past. Let's say if you design a... Yeah, stand, um, stand below it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a perfect skin in the game. And I think uh, today structural engineers, they, they didn't want to rush with signing off drawings simply because they are responsible. I was talking more about architects in this case, but... <laughs> <laughs> Poor okay. mine. <laughs> yeah, what structural engineers do these days is just over-engineer it so they don't, so no one's ever coming after them on their insurance. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true when you use us. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was also thinking the same about architects until I talked to hundreds of architects. And when I actually understood what they do and for what they're fighting for, I don't hate them anymore. I'm okay with them. I, I understood that. You made peace. Yeah, so... <laughs> Sounds like I need to have more chats with them. I think so. It will... You will... You see, you also have your own, like, a points of view, and you, you think, like, okay, architects, they're crazy, but I'm structural engineer. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> no, that's true. We are all biased, yeah? It's a high stress, high risk. Yeah. Loads of people involved in industry, so there's always going to be... It's, it's going to be very difficult to tackle that, that issue, and maybe if you can find a solution to that, then you're onto something. And that's why the, there are many, more and more companies who actually yeah. build collaboration solutions. I didn't see a lot of examples with nice collaboration, but I know that everybody intends to build a nice collaboration because people who are actually in this industry, they understand how important it is. So it's, it's super important. I mean, even right now, we build like a PV farm configurator. And I can tell you, for example, PU farm configurate is like a utility scale PU farm. So we can figure you, you have a parcel of land and you need to hit, let's say, energy target 150 megawatts. This actual layout is being produced by three people. So it's like energy guy, electrical guy, and civil guy. So three employees, they produce a layout, but actually 40 people communicate on top of that layout. Mm -hmm. Operations, procurement, construction guys. They are directors. So, and actually, I also we when we want to solve problem perfectly, we always request our clients to do shadowing, which means I'm asking them to be involved in their pursuit phase, in their design phase, and I'm just sitting on their meetings and I'm just listening what they do. And and actually, so when I I was involved in this stuff for the solar part, and I was impressed how how much time they spend on collaboration, like. Interesting. Yeah. So they just, they have a meetings, like it's a big EPC contractor, like they mm. top seven in the United States and they have a meeting where 
like there are like 30, 40 employees involved and they just have this action points list and they go through it, they discuss, it's kind of, it's amazing. But they're still quite reliant on each individual person carrying out what they say they're going to do. Because that's where a lot of things go wrong is you can give someone the responsibility, but if they don't do what they're responsible for, then you can hit a floor. But the same story in any other industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a human thing. Yeah, so humans are always going to be around. What's the plan for Creo in the near future, should we say? We will do less research and development. We will be focused more on, on the products we already built. So currently we have uh, quite a few products which, which grow well. It's a 2D takeoff, Creo modular, and PU farm configurator. And so we will be focused on these three products. And yeah, we mostly like we'll be focused on the scaling on those products. So that's, that's, <laughs> I think it's boring part. Yeah. But this is why I really enjoy that. For example, with Studio yeah. Deco, we're already scaling. So we have customers who support them. We, we kind of, we cannot, we cannot actually do what we, what we really want to do. Sometimes we are driven by market. We are driven by customers. But for example, at the same time, I launched recently this PU farm configurator and its initial phase. And uh, I really enjoy it because there, there are still a lot of plays for doing some research, for developing cool technologies, you know, for trying something really amazing. That's what I really mm -hmm. enjoy. Yeah. That's your thing, right? Okay. So you said you've got three products and on one of the products, you've got more than 200 customers. So what sort of customers are the best for you, for the business? What sort of type of customers uh, you've got that uh, it's repetitive? Yeah, we obviously want you to promote the business. So if you can tell us how how we could help you in terms of... So, uh, I mean, uh, again, for Creo Modular, it's just architects. So we we launched Creo Modular re like uh, one year ago and... Uh, we just, uh, it was created for vertically integrated companies, but after that, we decided just to be focused only on architects. And uh, we've been working the last six months just to make the product the best for architects. And that's where our focus. So we, we do this product only for architects. So basically any architect who works on feasibility studies want to create quickly, build in masses, some generate some floor plans, create some functional zones, get a rear schedule and other things. That's that's what we do. For what sort of projects? Residential, commercial, retail, like mixed use development. So that's suitable for all of that. And, and what kind of, uh, just thinking of size of project, like scale, like value wise roughly? Yeah, I would say that's from, it's usually kind of from 20 units and up to, I don't know, 500 units. It's not for single homes, right? But it's more like a for... Well, it's mostly modular, right? It's in the name? It's not actually... It's like the product name is modular, but it's actually... It's not about metric modules. It's about building concepts. So it's like in the product, you can, you can create a free shape of the building. You can, you know, you can create any shape you want. And then... For, for the residential part of the building, you can say, okay, generate for me this unit mix in this particular envelope. Mm -hmm. And we will generate for you this unit mix. That's kind of taking into account your building topology. What sort of projects you would be interested in? Like how big architects or how big projects do they have to work on so they are reasonable for you? As I said, anything from, I don't know, from 20 units and... Yeah, we answered that one, Martin. On the when you when you cut, that's all right. 
<laughs> you're in cyberspace somewhere. Anything else on Creo you want to cover? So first of all, I can just uh, also explain that for the GDECOF, we are looking for like a small contractors for consultancies, like a cost consultancies. And usually it's a quantity surveyor for firm director or cost estimator. That's the type of the person we are looking for. But yeah, and we are in beta, in beta now. So if, if someone will, will hear that, probably it will be... Perfect for you. Yeah, we can we can do this. Also, with regards to crew, I don't know, guys. You sent <laughs> me a lot of cool questions. Yeah. <laughs> we did some research on you. How do you see Creo in the future? Have you answered that or I was cut out? <laughs> no, 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 I, I didn't, didn't answer. There also was question about what my lovely product is. I can explain where my passion is and uh, how I can see crew at the future. And uh, my passion is about building concepts automation. And this is the most exciting thing I did and I do in my life because you can imagine it's like people build the buildings. It doesn't really matter what kind of building. As you already heard, we're working with residential buildings and PV farms simultaneously, right? And what's really cool about that, that you learn the main principles, you learn the main insights what's important, what considerations people take into account, how they all work together. So basically you, you build such a big, nice mind map about how it all works. And then you think about how to build a software where people will do it better than they do it today. And that's uh, really amazing. That's much, that's much more interesting rather than doing any Lego or playing any computer game. It's a long term because it mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to build a configurator. And this is what we built. We built different configurators. Like we built this Creo modular one. We built parking configurator for one of our clients. You can imagine that this configurator, it takes into account even your form work. So you basically, you choose parcel of land. You put your requirements, stalls, ADA stalls, like a usual stalls. And you say about the restrictions where you located seismic zone and regenerate a quite reliable structural frame and parking itself quite quickly, then you go and adjust it and et cetera, et cetera. So we built also configurator for mass timber. You upload your 2D plans, we read your 2D plans, and then we generate a 3D model on top of your floor plan. So basically we recognize unit mix and then we we generate a model on top of 2D plans. I mean, that's also amazing. That's another building concept we automated. And right now we do automation of PV farm configurator. Yeah, it sounds it. How did we start this conversation about finding time to do these things? And you sound like you get so, you sound like you're doing so much. But I guess you, you probably have a good team behind you that, which can help you develop all this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think the team, yeah, is a key, actually. And uh, as you heard, like, from me that I don't care about efficiency of computer memory because <laughs> I have people who care about it. <laughs> what is a journey when architect starts working with you? How does it work? Do you supply them with your software or what's the customer journey? Again, if we're talking about uh, current Creo Modular, which we rebrand right now for architects, so we, they will, it's, it's, a, it's a simple subscription model software. So basically they will be able to jump in the software, try it, it will be a trial period and then buy it and use it. That's it. It's very simple. And then we just support them. We we kind of can help. Uh, we have a chats. If people want to talk, we have kind of uh, chats implemented. So we talk about what functionalities they would like to have and other things. And so it's, it's, it's a very simple model. It's like any self-service product. 
the few products I mentioned before, like parking and, and things, that's what we did as a bespoke customization for some big clients. And actually, we did this in order to learn a little bit about the market. Because you can imagine when we did our research and development, and then we came in the United Kingdom market, we started to understand yeah, that actually... slightly different, yeah. It's a little bit different. And this is why after that, we realized actually we... You can imagine sometimes you don't want to spend a lot of time on learning what's what's going on in this market. But what you can do, you can find a client who will be ready to pay you for building a configurator for this client. And building a configurator for this client, you also will get a lot of insights about the market. Yes, early adopter. Yeah, it's when you when you try to to find someone who will fund your research and development. Yeah, but you're doing it. That's the right way to do it, right? So you, you don't want to build something that no one wants to use. You want to be working as close to your customers as you possibly can, which is exactly, sounds like exactly what you guys do. And so from standpoint of this configurators and building concepts automations, I envision that Crew, it will be a platform with a different building concepts automated. And uh, we, we will want to build them um, vertically integrated so we we prefer to build configurators for contractors because they link to the supply chain they use real objects real restrictions real form work architects they from especially from the beginning they just need to shape a building to understand what amount of units and you know this kind of things but we truly believe in design build procurement road and then the vertical integration and that's why we will Hopefully, it will be a platform with a lot of solutions like that. Yeah, that's the kind of intent. But who knows? We're quite flexible. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a noisy world. Yeah. Off topic then, we have a few questions, but one we always love to ask on here is, if someone gave you an, an unlimited budget to invest in any emerging business, technology, or trend, what would you invest in? Renewables. Mm-hmm. Solar. That's a good way to invest right now. I, we really we work right now on this solar project and we have a extra motivation because we feel like we do a great thing. So we try to 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 use renewables. We try to make the them the more efficient, and I think that's that's a very. I mean, we, I, obviously, guys, just 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 to make sure. I don't have a carbon tunnel vision. Do you know what that means? <laughs> yeah, like, I, can, I can guess. <laughs> when, you see, when you see only problems with a carbon footprint, then that's it. But uh, I mean, we are really kind of excited about solar and about renewables. And I think it's mm-hmm. the right way for humanity to go. And it's really cool to work on that project. So I would invest in that. I wouldn't invest in going to the Mars or somewhere else. It doesn't <laughs> make a lot of sense for me. Yeah. One man's mission. And also, yeah, so solar project, right? And also I'm a big fan. When I was uh, younger, I was uh, watching this mega structures. It's kind of, uh, it's about mega structures across the world and how, they, how they've been built. And I think it's really cool to be involved in, in, a, in a building or doing automation for a huge project. And that's what is really cool. I mean, you can imagine, you, you know, you can build a, and obviously, when we're talking about software, software, it's like, let's say, especially about configurators. Configurators, they should be done for usual projects when you need to build homes for people, residential buildings, right? But obviously, bizarre projects and unique projects, they still will be done mostly like manually, a lot of collaboration, a lot of like 
Yeah, but still, there are also quite a lot of opportunities to improve that. Yeah. Mon, any from you? Well, that's your question. BJJ. <laughs> Can we discuss? <laughs> I mean, I, I do I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu already six years. So I mean I'm quite a big fan and also I compete. Mm. So I mean it's it's for me it's like like the job is the most important thing in my life, obviously after family. But I'm I'm really I'm really focused on my job and I need this escape like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Just to stop thinking about AEC industry for, <laughs> for one hour and 30 minutes, you know? And uh, that's why I, I do jujitsu. Like, yeah. Like, I actually, yeah. So I was, I competed uh, a few weeks ago here in London. And also in December, I was. Uh, I, How did it go? I won, man. I won. <laughs> You look, you look quite straight. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with your nose, so it should uh, should have gone well, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's a master's category. It's like when you out the thirty, and uh, but but still, there were a lot of people six fights. Nice, that's so good. It was, it was amazing, and actually, also, I, I hate to do these uh, competitions, but the point is like it keeps you in a good moral shape, mm. and that's what I really appreciate. I don't want to be. I really like to feel very. In a good moral shape, I would say. Yeah, driven towards something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite important. Also, when you compete with uh, or fight with someone <laughs> during competition or training, there's not, no chance that you can focus on work or on anything else. You really need to dedicate your focus. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what is the best in it. Uh, I used to do skydiving uh, okay. a few years back quite a lot. And there's no chance you can think about like work or you know, problems or anything that bothers you when you do this. There's, yeah. And that's what I like, like sometimes, that you can really focus on just one thing rather than, you know, yeah. trying to do different. Exactly. That's that's also very important because it may it makes me mm -hmm. feel rested. So it's like you, you just go there. It, it doesn't really matter what's in your head when someone will push your face in the floor. You... you <laughs> You'll just, okay, man. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah, that. you can be in any mood and do an hour, an hour and a half on the mat and you, your mood will be completely different after you come away from that. Exactly. So that's that's what I prefer. And this is actually the best thing about London. The level of jiu-jitsu here is amazing. Yeah. So it's like the best people are here and it's uh, it's it's an honor to, to, to kind of to, to have sparrings with them. So it's really... Where do you train? It's a filial of a Czech mat. It's a London uh, fight zone. So it's a Bethnal Green uh, tube station. Mm. Uh, nice. Shout great. out to those guys. We, we, will know, we will know where not to go around. Yeah. Nice. And the final question. Um, where can we find more about, well, let's say you, because you, I know you have some interesting things like your blog and, and things like that, and also Creo. Yeah. And also when, when people can, you know, check architects, especially can check uh, like your work or how they can gauge, you know, how useful you would be for them. Yeah, uh, sure. So first of all, obviously, Creo.net is our website and uh, LinkedIn, social media, LinkedIn or Facebook, you can search for Creo and you will find us. So also, as for me, I'm I have a Twitter, so Maxim Markevich in Twitter, Maxim Markevich in LinkedIn, and also I have my blog uh, mmarkevich.com. Again, I just use this blog in order to systemize some thoughts and to write because a lot of things happening, and I just want some time 
put them on paper because it's really funny because sometimes you have a nice ideas, you have great thoughts, and then you forgot them. And in one year you return back and you, oh, I already been there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. That's a very good point, actually. And you guys are also on YouTube, yes? Yeah, we have YouTube accounts. So we everywhere. Just search for Creo and you will find us. Yeah. Great. All right, Maxim. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Maxim. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next episode.